When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Well, hello, it's Thursday night, and that means it's time for another edition of the MD's Fantasy Football Show. As you can see, we're a little bit behind, but we're going live from our hotel room. We made it. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is in the building. And it's going to be a great weekend at the Fantasy Football Expo. So excited to be here. Can't wait to meet everybody and see some old friends from last year as well. Uh, we had a ton of fun, Chris, last year. And what's something you're looking forward to this year now we've been here once before? Well, it's kind of bittersweet, Dan. Um, <clears throat> I'm looking forward to a lot. Missing Adam, one of our my co-hosts and one of our compadres in Abelium Sports, um, not joining us this year. But what I'm looking forward to the most is playing some football itself, Dan. I like fantasy football, but I also like the game of football. And we have a chance to participate in a fly football tournament this weekend. Um, also, we're excited to kind of hobnob with some of the tech executives, that the people who are you know leading people in this industry and rubbing elbows with them and kind of picking their brains throughout the weekend. Yeah, and uh, we're going to get revenge. We did not win last year. We are going to win this year at the Flag Football Tournament. If you're near the Canton, Ohio area, make sure you come by and check it out. We got things going on all weekend long. Starting with tomorrow, I'll actually be in the Icebreaker, the Poker Tournament. Wish me luck playing some Texas Hold'em. Haven't played that in years. Hopefully, I don't embarrass myself. We'll have to find out. But that's going to be going on during the afternoon. Check-in for the weekends. also going on tomorrow at 9 a.m., I think all the way throughout the day so if you have your weekend tickets that's when you can come join the party we also have so we have the itinerary up the friday night party starts at six o'clock and that's going to be a great time right there centennial plaza and that's really the big jump off point where everyone gets together gets some drinks they got some preseason football on the big screen tv and just a lot of guys talking a lot of fantasy football yeah we get a chance to kind of go out there watch football play around i think just some games that usually go on beforehand so definitely wonderful mingling experience and something we're looking forward to. And then we got Saturday. Saturday is the big draft day. We got the the, they the Kings Classic draft, the Queens Classic draft. Uh, they got the College Kings Classic draft going on. If you're in the area and you have your tickets, I believe you are allowed to go ahead and witness it yourself. Sirius XM is going to be following the events. So that's going to be a lot of fun. We get to meet a lot of those guys. We've had some of them on the show. We've had Bob Harris on the show this year and Dan Claskins, just to name a couple of them. They'll all be there. We can't wait to run into them there. And then I will be competing in the draft night out. Uh, that's at 12 o'clock. Excited for that. Uh, won my league last year, but it's a big tournament. It's, it's a ton of 12-man leagues. They got the overall tournament going on, raffles going on. Shout out to them over there for having that set up. And then 5 o'clock is our flag football tournament that we are going to be prepping for. I already started stretching yesterday. <laughs> yeah, I'll be stretching for the rest of the evening as well. Dan, I don't think I'm really ready for that, but I'm excited. We like to win here. I talked about you know doing the different drafts that you had last year just to kind of shout ourselves out. We kicked ass last year, guys. So hopefully we'll kick some ass again this year, and this time in the football field as well. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be stretching for days upon days after that as well. Hopefully, we have Brian Scott. I know he's going to be in the building at some point. Uh, he'll be able to help oh, out my hamstrings. Well, that I'm going to have an injury report. Yeah, inevitably going to pull that hamstring. And then we got the party night. The big party is Saturday night. That is at the Hall of Fame Village. Uh, I think there's a beer pong tournament going on during that time. It's from 7 to 11. Of course, there's going to be some after parties at the hotel we're staying at, which is the Doubletree Hilton. So if you guys are around, again, you want to check us out, check out 
finding one of these great industry people, uh, you should really do so. Friday and Saturday night are set up for the social event. And then Sunday is the big expo day. You have all the main, pretty much every fantasy industry analyst is going to be at this thing with nothing but panel discussions going on. We got redraft and from 10 to 4, you're going to have multiple panels going on all at once. They got the redraft, the dynasty, we got prop betting, every single strategy, anything to do with betting the NFL, with betting or or playing fantasy football, I should say, is going to be going on by some of the best of the best there. Can't wait for that. We will be working the booth. We will be going live from the Belly Up Fantasy Sports booth. That is going to be booth 18 at the Expo. So we're excited for that. We're gonna have a, we're gonna have Chase. We're gonna some of these guys get to meet for the first time in person because we work so remote. You know, one of the really cool things about this event is not meeting people. You know, we have worked remotely, but but it's where you get to meet the fans themselves. You know, you're not behind a screen, you're not sitting there talking to somebody. You actually get to see these people are real people, and this industry is really friendly as well. So I'm really excited about people coming down to the expo, checking us out. Yeah, so make sure, again, you guys come on down. We got some free giveaways that we get at our booth. Uh, I got some souvenirs for you guys to take home. We're going to be doing a lot of really fun stuff all the way through. And like I said, we're going to be going live. We're going to do some crowd work. We're going to talk some more mock drafts there. We're going to talk some rankings, some ADP. I don't know how long it's going to be. I know we go live at 11 o'clock, but I think it's pretty much one of those deals that we're just going to keep going and going and rotating to the analysts at Belly Up Fantasy that are going to be there uh, until we feel like we stop, until we feel like stop streaming. Uh, basically, is what it's going to boil down to. And there is a karaoke after party if you plan on staying after the expo back at the hotel, too. So that's our itinerary. It's pretty much tonight is the, like you said earlier, the calm before the storm because after this, it's going to be nonstop action. Yeah, I'm really interested to see what. Taylor Swift song Dan's gonna be singing at this karaoke. So, yeah, how did you know it would be a Taylor Swift song? <laughs> I am not a Swifty, by the way. I don't hate on her, but I am. I am. I am not a Swifty. So now we went through the itinerary. We do have a full point PPR mock draft that we want to do for you guys here today. As per usual, we do it on Sleeper. Uh, so we're going to get that thing going on. We're, we're going into, you know, this is a big fantasy football weekend where there's going to be a lot of people talking about all kinds of strategies and rankings and where they value players. So I'm interested to see the discussion. But the big thing I've seen from the industry so far, a lot of talk about hero R- or I'm sorry, anchor RB or zero RB. What's your take on those strategies? What's your approach when you're going to a PPR mock draft? This is one thing I really like about being that, you know, down here at this expo is that this is where we get to kind of put our words and our ideas compared to the quote of experts out there. And I think, Dan, what I look at with these perspectives, I think it's about building your team and trying to build the best roster. I'm not a big strategy guy when it comes to having zero running beat running backs or having an anchor running back. I'm having a team full of good players, a good full of options I can play week in, week out. So for myself, I'm not looking necessarily to adopt somebody's strategy. What I want to make sure is I'm getting value in every round. I'm the same way. I want value. I'm not going to go in there with any idea of, I'm not going to attack zero R or zero RB. I'm not going to tank anchor RB. I'm not even going to go for robust RB. I'm going in there with, I want the best value, the best lineup, and then taking shots later on in my draft for upside. That's the key for me because that is the only strategy in which you get to remain water throughout your draft. It's the only one that answers any question you might have. Because if you go in there with a certain mindset, and this is why I don't really necessarily like when the industry pushes just a particular strategy or two, because if you go in there with that mindset and the right players don't fall to execute said strategy, then all of a sudden you do one of two things. You either wind up panicking or you wind up reaching to stick to the strategy for no reason. This is why value drafting for us is the best way. But it could work out differently for you. Again, I like to quote Dan Claskins on this. Any strategy can be a winning strategy if you execute with the correct players. Now, Chris, I know we're in the hotel, so we're a little disorganized, but I can't tell. I can tell that you don't have your phone now, so you're going to have to make this first pick, buddy, somehow. You got to um, go get your phone. Um, well, we already know where I'm going to have to grab my phone real quick, but I'm going to go with Christian McCaffrey as my number one pick. I know a lot of people are going with Je- you know, Jefferson. Uh, big on receiver. Christian McCaffrey's a guy that I trust with consistency, and when he's healthy, he's a stud. I land him in Los Angeles going to second year. I'm excited for Christian McCaffrey, number one pick. 
Chris is going to go. He's also going to get his phone so we can actually get this draft uh, started up here. But yeah, Chris McCaffrey can't argue with that at all. It's going to be it's going to be one of three guys, right? You're either going to go McCaffrey, you're going to go Justin Jefferson, or you're going to go Jamar Chase. And if you've been following my rankings along on Billy at FantasySports.com, you'll know that I've had Jamar Chase ranked a little bit ahead of Jefferson. And when it comes to which one do I want to take number one overall? Well, it gets tough, but I'm going to roll the dice on Jamar Chase. And, and the reason why I would be different than you in that sense is just because there's so much value at the running back position. I don't think there is a running back dead zone this year. Everyone was a big, big deal. Every year, there's a running back dead zone. I don't believe there is one because there's guys with a lot of pathways to high end volume. The reason the running back dead zone became such a thing is because there was such a committee approach in the NFL. And there still is today. I'm not saying there's not. But there's a lot more running backs within that three to six round range who have pathways to higher volume, a la Rashad White, a la an Alexander Madison, a Miles Sanders, a Cam Akers. You look at these depth charts, and I don't see these guys being in a committee. So because there's so much value at the running back position, I actually tend to lean a little bit in full point PPR only towards the wide receiver. Now, Chris finally got the pick off the board here. <laughs> I got all the sound effects turned off except for Chris's phone. Things I cannot control. All right, so Chris had the number one pick. I decided I wanted the 12th pick to take the, the back end and kind of see what we can get here back to back. So coming off the board in that first round, after Chris and Chris McCaffrey, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, we talked about those three. We saw Austin Eckler, Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey staying true to his ADP, and Bijan. Bijan was the guy I was hoping would fall to me. As you guys know, he's been my number one running back. Not always the case, though. It's kind of hit or miss depending upon where people are comfortable taking a rookie in the first round. But I do think he could be the number one running back overall. And then we had the slew of receivers, Cooper Cup, Stephon Diggs, A.J. Brown, and C.D. Lamb. So I do know what I'm going to do here. The first thing I'm going to do is take Nick Chubb, who is my RB four overall, right behind the McCaffrey, the Bijan, the Austin Eckledge of the world, just set up to have a fantastic season. They're not bringing Kareem Hunt back anytime soon or at all, hopefully. And it looks like they are hell-bent going into this year saying, hey, Nick Chubb, you're going to get the rock, and you might actually get the opportunity to catch passes in an offense that's probably going to be more open in Deshaun Watson's second year. You want to comment on that while I make my next pick? Well, I was just going to comment real quick. You know, Nick Chubb's been super successful and isn't just your average running back. And I think that's why you want to talk about Christian McCaffrey, talk about the receivers going. For myself, it's not just about the position and depth. It's about the players themselves and how special these players are. Nick Chubb being involved in the passing, that guy is already averaging over five yards per carry in an offense where Deshaun Watson couldn't play any worse. I love Nick Chubb's upside. I think he's going to be one of the valuable guys. About Bijan being number one, I think Nick Chubb could want to be number one running back to have this year as well. Okay, so now that you like that pick, I decided to go back to back with my boy, Garrett Wilson, who's who I have ranked as the wide receiver six overall ahead of AJ Brown, ahead of CD Lamb. And because of this, I have actually gotten him quite consistently, especially when drafting in this spot. Garrett Wilson had 147 targets last year with the worst of the worst quarterbacks you could possibly have. A 53% catch percentage. That's Gabe Davis level bad last year. And still still was a borderline wide receiver one. Now you give me him with Aaron Rodgers, a guy who could give him a 27 to 30% team target share. That is in the cards. His catch rate is going to go up. His touchdowns are going to go up. And that's why Garrett Wilson, I have him just below that elite top five receiver tier at wide receiver six, a couple spots ahead of Devontae Adams, a couple spots ahead of AJ Brown. I'm on Ross St. Brown and CD lamb. I'm big on Garrett Wilson. I'm sticking to my guns. Now, Chris, we fast forward all the way through the second round. You came back after Chris McCaffrey. You went Tony Pollard and Mark Andrews. Well, walk, walk me through that. Well, I'm looking at the best guys on the board like I talked about. I like some of the receivers there, but I think some of these guys now for myself are kind of debatable who I like over different guys. So when I have a range of different receivers that I'm interested in or a position, I'm looking for the other values that might be on the board. Tony Pollard, to me, we, we've been bitching him on it for how many years now, Dan? You know, give Tony Pollard the ball. Zeke Elliott's done. Well, we get to see it this year. Maybe Tony Pollard's not going to be that workhorse back, but Tony Pollard, even in 15, 17 touches the game as a stud, this Dallas team's going to score points. 
Making pause of having a, my RB2. I'm excited to have that. And then I come back with Mark Andrews. I'm all about having a dominant option each week. And for myself, if you can get an advantage at the tight end position, uh, whether you get it early or you wait, Mark Andrews sitting on the board for myself with the rest of the guys on the thing, I want the best tight end by far versus receivers, like I said, I can debate who I think might be better. I, I agree with that. First of all, Tony Pollard, I had not seen him fall that far very, very often. So that was a great pick to get in the back end of the second round. Thank you, Sleeper, for that. And then with Mark Andrews, if you don't want to have to take a second tight end, you have to take a Mark Andrews in the third round. I'm perfectly fine with the value there. I'm actually in a little bit of a, a quagmire here. Well, for, well I'm going to take my, this pick that I, I know for sure I want, which is Joe Mixon. I don't know why people crap on Joe Mixon so bad. I feel like I've been going off about this guy almost every episode. He's on the team. He took the pay cut. It's done. It's over. He's going to be the starting running back on the roster. Chris Evans is the backup. Chase Brown is the backup to him. Who is he losing work to? The guy has been the top 12 running back three of the last four years, and yet we act like he's chopped liver. I'll take him in the third round all day, every day. Yeah, guy who, who, who was inefficient last year and still finished well, as we talked about, Dan. I think he's got a chip on his shoulder. He took the contract cut. I think he's been out to approve a lot of things. This nice offense is going to score a lot of points. Having the running back in a team that scores a lot of points is usually good. Joe Mixon's the guy people are already, you know, overlooking for some stupid reason. I love the pick. Now, here, here's the battle I'm actually having right now because I don't find myself in this position very often. Usually, I would take my guy, Amari Cooper, right here, who I ranked at wide receiver 15. Love him in PPR, as consistent as they come. And you might get the improved play of Deshaun Watson on top of that. And I'm, by the way, I'm not afraid to do that, even though I have Nick Chubb on my roster already. You got the two big po- uh, pieces of the offense, and I'm willing to take shots on that. However, I don't usually have DK Metcalf here still. So I'm in a little bit of a quandary here. What do you what do you think? What do you think? What do you think I should do? To me, it's no brainer. I like to talk about running back options, but DK Metcalf's a stud, a guy who could have easily had double touchdowns, led one in the league or second in the league, I think, in targets in the red zone. DK Metcalf's a stud a week year in and week out. I, I think he's a guy that I would have for your lineup right now. If Gino bottoms out, I'm I'm blaming you. I'm, I'm going to go DK Metcalf there. You talked me into it. Uh- <laughs> Because <laughs> that look, you're absolutely right. DK Metcalf, we know what his upside, his potential could be. However, last year, even as good as Gino was, he still finishes only the wide receiver 15. But I also say he was banged up much of last year, played some games. We thought he was going to be out for an extended period of time. Somehow he came back on that one leg and was able to kind of just continue to you know produce. It was a different role in a sense where he was kind of playing the more possession role last year. But with DK Metcalf, you know, healthy, we know he's a stallion. Yeah, no, can't disagree. So, Chris, you're on the clock here. You got back-to-back picks. You don't have a wide receiver yet. I'm going to be curious to see what exactly you're going to pull out of your hat here. Uh, Amari Cooper, I was going to say, Amari Cooper went to you. I was going to, I was going to go crazy. But yeah, you go Drake London with that first pick. Let's see what his second pick is going to be. And uh, I know we have some camera issues going on right now. Our volume's still going. So you went Drake London and Justin Fields in the fifth round. Walk me through those picks. All right. First of all, I'm going to be beating the drum all season until the season. I'm proven wrong. Atlanta's offense is going to be good. Drake London's good. guys that when you get to that second tier receivers can be just as good as anybody else and i love having them as our options then i go to the quarterback position we talked about it earlier i look at the best players on the board i think when you come to justin fields fields could be special especially if he has a combination we did last year and improved throwing adding dj more to the mix to me i'm looking for the guys who i like i said i have a stud lineup weekend week out justin fields give me that option to have a high upside and a solid floor yeah, forgive us there for a little bit of an in and out as uh, we had a little technical difficulties. But yeah, Drake London, Justin Fields. London's going to have to be the number one guy with Desmond Ritter. I do after last year when Kyle Pitts was out of the equation, Ritter and London got real familiar with each other. And, and Danielle Dubois is a big part of this show. She's been following the Atlanta Falcons. She's been consistent that they have been working together off on the side and they are building up that rapport and building on that from next year. I don't think Ritter has the ability to target more than one person, but if I'm going to choose between London and Pitts, who that one person is going to be, I do think it's going to be Drake London. 
London. And Justin Fields, we know he's got QB1 potential. We know what his stretch was from week 6 to 15. We know what he can do. And we also know what happens with quarterbacks who get really good receivers heading into their third year. We've seen it now with Jalen Hurts. We've seen it now with Josh Allen. Now, I don't necessarily think it's going to be on that level. I don't think DJ Moore is an AJ Brown or Stephon Diggs. But even if it's somewhere in between what he had last year, what he was able to do, and between you know that and those ceilings, uh, you're going to wind up with a guy who's going to be cracking that top three most likely this year. So I can't hate the picks there. And I'm talking, spend too much time talking. I actually need to pick here. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to take one of my boys. Alexander Madison, this has been one of my favorite fifth round picks all year long. I talked about this. I don't believe there's a running back dead zone this year because of players like this who have strong pathways to three down volume. That's what Alexander Madison has in front of him. Now, we do have the sample size of what happens when Madison gets to get all the touches. He plays like an RB1. Yes, there are some inefficiencies that come with his game, but this is also a guy who was actually relatively very efficient when it comes to explosive runs 31% of the time. He's somebody who had eight yards per target because they set up the screens with him in a really productive way. They, for some reason, I don't know why, but they, they wouldn't do it with Dalvin Cook. Alexander Madison is my RB16 to get him in the fifth round to be my flex in this scenario. I'm all about it. And if you look at my running backs, well, Nick Chubb is not necessarily a pass catcher. If he gets boosted to Derrick Henry's level, which well, I'm talking like 40 receptions, 50, 60 targets, I think that's easily approachable for a guy like that in his position. You have Joe Mixon, who we know is going to get three down work. Alexander Madison is going to get three down work. All three in great offenses. I'm feeling great about my running backs. Oh, I still have the two receivers, by the way, and another pick to make. But how do you feel about that so far? Well, I was going to jump on the Nick Chubb thing specifically and just point out, you know, Cream Hunt sucked last year, but he was good the previous year where you actually had Nick Chubb and Cream Hunt and you were feeling pretty good about yourself. So there's a lot of volume opportunity, not just, you know, maybe 40, 50 catches. I think Nick Chubb could be one of those guys that you look at like an Arian Foster production back in the day in his offense, and I really like what his upside is. And then I came back and rounded out. I'm loving, I'm loving the balance of my team here. Brandon Ayuk is my wide receiver three. Now, I have been burned in the past with Brandon Ayuk when we thought he was going to break out a couple of years ago. And yes, in San Francisco, it gets a little dicey because somebody, unfortunately, is going to have to get left out over the over the course of the weeks. It's just it's usually it's gonna be Chris McCaffrey and at least one other person, maybe two, and then somebody gets left out. And it's gonna be a a cycle going on with Debo, George Kittle, and Brian Ayuk. But every reporter, everybody in the 49ers camp is talking nonstop how Brian Ayuk can not be covered. He's going to be playing for a contract pretty soon. And frankly, he is the better wide receiver when compared to Debo Samuel. I'm going to bank on the 49ers. Let him get a breakout here. And if nothing else, he's my wide receiver three. So I'm shooting for some upside along with a safe floor. What do you think? Yeah, talk about a guy who was top 10 after week nine last year. I mean, there's no reason they had different quarterback play at Jimmy Garoppolo, wound up having, you know, uh, Brock Purdy towards the end of the season. It was still productive no matter who the quarterback was. I think you saw a transition last year in San Francisco from who the true RB receiver one is in that offense, and that is Brandon Ayu. Okay, you took one of my guys who I have moved up my board drastically because – it just couldn't be more optimistic as far as what his health is going to be heading into the year. We've talked about him a lot throughout the offseason, and you went with Javante Williams with your first of back-to-back picks. I'll let you make your pick in a second. I'll just get you updated. Which, oh, you made your pick anyway. Go ahead. Javante Williams and Tyler Lockett. Well, let's talk about Javante Williams first. I mean, we talked about this actually right out here. We just think he's criminally underrated. He's healthy. He's going to be out there week one. I don't give a damn about Samaja Perrine, and he pointed out how uh, Joe Mixon was top 12 the last couple of years, right, with Samaja Perrine on the, that backfield. What could Javante Williams, until a guy had a about broken tackle percentages in his rookie year, he was a stud. I know you didn't get what you wanted him last year, but don't forget, this guy was one of the guys who was talented going to the first round last year. The injury knocked him out, but he's back, and he's an offense where we know Sean Payton can feature a running back. So I think this is a guy that, when I look at my running back position, can win me a league. Yeah, I, I I can't I can't disagree with that at all. Tyler Lockett is just he always always overlooked. You, you I'm kind of mad at myself for drafting DK Metcalf because it's one of those things where Metcalf's not that much more valuable than Tyler Lockett. Never has been. Either Lockett finishes in front, or there are a couple spots away, and yet you can get him in the seventh round. Where if you look, I had to take Metcalf 
uh, in the fourth round. So it just kind of gives you an idea there. And Javante, guys, he's not J.K. Dobbins. This is not the same situation. It's very clear and evident just from the fact that he's been practicing full go nonstop, has not been slowing down, has looked like his exact self that he was when he was getting pushed up to be an RB1. And that's I'm not going to let a guy like that slip through my fingers. And now it's turned where we spent most of the year being more confident about Brees Hall instead of Javante Williams. I, that's no longer the case for me. Javante Williams is ahead of Brees Hall. For me, I'm more confident in him because he's actually doing it. We still haven't seen Brees Hall practice, so I'm all over that. No, absolutely. And it's also the fact Denver spent a lot of money on the offensive line this offseason. They're invested to try to have good run blockers, be powerful up the middle. And I think Javante Williams, you know, the, tech, the broken tackle percentage is going to be better when it gets safeties down the field. All right, and now we fast forward to my picks to go back. We, I love, I love that we are on the opposite ends of this draft. You're the back-to-back kind of picks. I think. Yeah, kind just, a, just a bit. Um, I've talked about this a number of times. I'm going to keep saying it as long as we do mock drafts and as long as the situation comes up. When it comes to tight end, you have to make sure you have a cutoff point because here's what's going to happen. If you go past a certain point, you're going to have to draft two. Otherwise, you're not going to be comfortable with your production in and out. You're either going to have to draft two or you're going to have to draft one and know that you're going to be streaming the rest of the year. Streaming tight end is a freaking nightmare, and I don't wish it upon my worst enemy. The problem is, of course, there's only eight tight ends that I view that you can just draft and say, okay, I can play you every week, and I'm going to live with the results. So obviously, somebody's going to have to get left out in that scenario. But know where your cutoff point is. For me, that's my tight end eight. That's Pat Fryermuth. Pat Fryermuth, especially in PPR, was actually pretty consistently a low-end tight end one last year, despite the fact that he only got four, he only, two touchdowns. That's it. That has to go up. I know we're I know we're talking about the Steelers, and everybody on the Steelers has to go up, right? Deontay has to go up from zero, obviously. Fryermuth has to go up from two. I'm not necessarily sold on Kenny Pickett, but I do think it has to be better than it was last year. Just statistical standpoint, it has to be better than what it was last year. And then I come back and I got my quarterback and round out kind of my starting lineup here a little bit with Deshaun Watson in the eighth round. Again, I treat quarterback the same way I treat tight end. I need a cutoff point. Deshaun Watson as my QB 10 is that cutoff point. Now, in Deshaun's case, I am probably going to feel the need to draft another quarterback or have my trigger finger ready to stream because, in, you know, there is a scenario you could make the argument that maybe he winds up coming out the gate just as bad as he was last year. I don't think that's going to happen. But you can make the argument that that could be the case. So that's why I might back myself up on that. But Watson, we know what Watson can be if everything's right. And they spent an entire offseason implementing this offense around him. Last year, they had to do it around Jacoby Brissett because they knew it was going to be more than half the year that they weren't going to have Watson. This year, it's been all about putting in what makes Watson comfortable. And that big investment has to work for this team he's not going to be as bad as he was last year we know what kind of quarterback he could be and that could be a top five fantasy option so walk me through what you think of those picks well let's, i'll start with Deshaun watson, watson the guy that i think that when you look at the value this guy was not good last year we know that it still got you 20 something points the last couple of weeks he started finding getting some of the rust off started finding rhythm a bit more and he scrambles dan he uses his legs we know that's the cheat code in fantasy football so you have a guy that gives you a floor that with that uh, awesome weapon, plethora of weapons to Amari Cooper and Nick Chubb being comfortable having both of them. This whole Cleveland team offensively and offensive line is really good. So Sean Watts is definitely a guy that can excel and has a lot of upside. Just a comment real quick on the you know the different positions in your cutoff. I'm a little different with you. We know this. I'm bigger on having more depth in certain positions. So for myself, I always have multiple quarterbacks or multiple tight ends unless I have maybe a Travis Kelsey where I just can be playing him week in, week out. Because don't forget, injuries happen. And the second part is that when you have somebody on your roster that's good, I mean, somebody else doesn't have them as well. So the value you can be trade value, or it's not the guy who's beating you because the other guys play a tight end who got one point for him last year, last weekend, um, yeah. or the quarterback in the same position where they're scoring, you know, single digits. So it's not always just about what you have. It's also most times about what you're playing against. No, and if you do, you can go ahead and make your pick, but and if you draft from a value-based standpoint, like if you draft from a robust RB or a zero RB, whichever the side of the spectrum you fall under, you're going to have to pound the position that you didn't draft in these rounds pretty hard, no matter what. What that winds up doing, it kind of cuts down your options for how you can build out your roster like we're talking about. If you approach this from a value-based you know, perspective and in, in going into your drafts, 
look at what we have so far. Uh, my, my team being, you know, running back receiver, running back receiver, running back receiver, tight end quarterback. I'm balanced at all the positions. I have my starting lineup and I have balance here. I can now proceed going with either best available or most upside available from here on out. And that can include having another quarterback, another tight end, where if you went zero RB or even if you went robust RB, you'd have to pound the hell out of running back and wide receiver here. So that's where I like the value-based drafting myself because I feel like it gives you more flexibility. Oh, you little bum. You took my guy, Gabe Davis. I was hoping he was going to fall back to me somehow in that eighth round. I just think we were a year too early on Gabe Davis. You also took us took to attack of Lavoe, so go ahead with that. Well, talk about Gabe Davis first. MD Nation, do not jump off the train. Do not. I know everybody got burned last year. We expected so much more. But, Dan, we talk about this a lot off, off the air. Guys get hurt. Gabe Davis was hurt last year, guys. So, once you take that part out of the equation, when a guy's explosive at six foot four and can get down the field with Josh Allen, who's a lot of people's core QB one, um, is not always going to be Stephon Diggs, and I don't think it's going to always be Dalton Kincaid. So we need to cool that train down. But you need to jump aboard the Gabe Davis train. Um, for two, we talked about a lot of his you know, position. I had Justin Fields. I'm feeling really good about Justin Fields. He's a mobile guy playing in Chicago line. That's not that great. Maybe he gets banged up. Two has got the same kind of knocks. My goal two can make the whole season. But now I know for a quarterback, I have two high-level stud options that we can week out. I'm getting at least 20 points, if not more, and somebody else is not. Yeah, uh, 100% agree. Gabe Davis, we might have been just a year early, guys. He still had over 100 targets. If his catch rate goes up to a normal average level, which I think he's more incapable of, he's going to be a top 24 wide receiver. They've already talked about how he looks great in camp. Remember, he had the high ankle sprain that had a big deal with why he was not getting open, with why he was not as explosive. And it was a high ankle sprain. You're supposed to be out four to six weeks. He played through it. As a result, he never really got right. Until when? The postseason. What did he do in the postseason? Oh, he got back into the end zone again repeatedly. So as long as that doesn't happen, or if he does get injured, he doesn't force himself to play through it, I think you're going to see a much improved Gabe Davis. Nothing changed. Nothing changed with the pass catchers. The Dolan Kincaid thing is not going to take away targets from Gabe Davis whatsoever. There's plenty of that offense to go around. I can't beat that drum quite enough. Uh, we come back to my picks. This has been another automatic for me come these rounds. Eight, uh, nine, ten rounds, right? I come back. I got Rashad Penny and Sky Moore. Rashad Penny being my RB4. Oh, I love it. I love because I don't care if you play six games as my RB4. Who cares? You're there to see can you become that RB1 behind the best offensive line in the NFL? The RB1 that you are went on the field because of your efficiency metrics. And I love it. No, you're not going to catch the ball. It's going to be DeAndre Swift. I don't care. Miles Sanders was RB what? Oh, that's right. He was a high end RB2 last year. Did Miles Sanders catch the ball very often? No. Rashad Penny, metric wise, again, is actually a better runner than Miles Sanders is. There's no risk here. Again, with him being my RB4, there's no risk whatsoever with Rashad Penny. So very happy about that. And then the other guy who I've been pounding, I know I've been pounding him since last year. It's another guy kind of like Gabe Davis, who I think I was just a year too early on. But Sky Moore, all the first team reps, all the first. And I mean, whether it's three receivers or two receivers, he's the guy out there. No, yes, Kadarius Tony is not out there right now as of this moment. And that could have a partly to do with it. But Sky Moore has been getting that trust with Patrick Mahomes, according to all reports. They're on the same page. And I don't think Kadarius Tony can stay healthy for more than a half. So I'm going to take the shot on Sky Moore being the number one receiver of the Chiefs this year. I'm not passing up on that value. You can give some comments and then we can get to your picks in the uh, 10th, 11th round. Well, you know, Sky Moore has some draft capital. He's actually healthy, Dan, and I, I mean, can't emphasize that part enough when it comes to Kansas City Chiefs. I know we're all trying to make Kadarius Tony happen. Guys play like three games for the last three seasons. What's it going to be? Plays a half that gets hurt again. I think Sky Moore showed you. Let's, this offseason, he's really committed. You're hearing a lot of good things out of camp. One of the guys who's been a fixture, that's starting a lot of other guys rotating around, Sky Moore's been in there. Yeah, I agree with that. So what about your picks here? You had Damian Harris and Elijah Mitchell, which I like the Elijah Mitchell pick a lot since you have Christian McCaffrey. Important thing to know, if you do take Christian McCaffrey, try to go get Elijah Mitchell and just, just handcuff your little self. But I'm sure that's what you were thinking, so walk me through. Well, I'm also thinking that it's 11th round. So we talk, we listened to you know some people talking about handcuffing on the way here, and I'm not a huge guy on handcuffing per se. 
I like the value of whoever the best players are. But if Elijah Moore, I'm sorry, if Mitchell's going to be sitting there and you have a Christian McCaffrey in the 11th round and you have your handcuffs, you're sure that you're going to have another quality RB option for at least a few weeks until he gets hurt as well. Um, but you're feeling pretty good about that. And Damian Harris is also one of those guys. I mean, the guy led the league in touchdowns a few seasons ago. I know those are the big lot of love for James Cook out there. Maybe he starts off as the guy. The guy's a buck 90. Damian Harris has shown you that he can handle the rock. And he averages over five yards per carry. The guy's not you know, a little guy out there. He's a big, strong guy. Buffalo gets cold eventually. I'm a big proponent. I talked about this you know, before. I'm a big proponent of having a bigger back on your team. Because when the weather gets cold, you'd be surprised suddenly how much more valuable some of those guys are, especially during the playoff stretch run. Yeah, uh, Damian Harris could be this year's Small Williams. I've said it before, and I'll continue to say it again. James Cook, there's a lot of hype about James Cook, and that, that's great. But Cook's not going to be there on the goal line situation. And that's what Jamal Williams fed off of. And I think Damian Harris sets up the same way. By the way, Damian Harris, five yards of carry per person himself. So it's not like an inefficient running back. The key has been... Zach Moss. Yeah, exactly. And the key has been lower body injuries, right? So that's been the key for Damian Harris. But if they take down Josh Allen just a little bit in the goal line, it's going to be the Harris show. There's a lot of value to go around with that. So I like those picks. I came back with two of my favorite players. Now, I might have been able to wait on the one, but I didn't really want to. And I went with, I'm not sure why it's paused. I went with uh, Roshan, Roshan Johnson. Roshan Johnson. I don't know why I acted like I couldn't pronounce his name all of a sudden. And then Van Jefferson. So I took Rashad Penny. We think it's going to be probably really good while he has the opportunity in the beginning of the season as my fourth running back. And in the counteract that I took Roshan Johnson, who I think is going to be the guy who we're all going to be pounding the table in the second half of the season. So I'm balancing it out there. Roshan is the only running back who can pass protect. He's going to be on the field right away just in those situations alone because Khalil Herbert, Donta Foreman give you nothing in the passing game. Oh, by the way, he's a very big boy himself. I do believe by the second half of this season, Roshan is going to be the guy there. And I like taking the shot there to kind of balance out Rashad Penny. And then I took Van Jefferson. This is the one where I might have been able to take him. I might have been able to wait another couple extra rounds. But in my thought process, and you'll see why, of what I'm going to be targeting over our last four rounds. And it's kind of why I didn't do it. But Van Jefferson, Cooper Cup, a little bit banged up right now. But somebody else besides him has to get the ball. We've been talking about that. Last year, if you're saying to yourself, well, Van Jefferson had that situation last year and he wanted disappointing. He was injured heading into the season. And we talk all the time how guys injured in training camp doesn't usually lead well to start off the year. They get off to a slow start. Sometimes they never get going at all. I think that's what happened to Van Jefferson. Well, let's not forget this guy was doing pretty good until OBJ got out there and kind of took his shine in some ways. We had over 800 yards. Well, Matthew Stafford's out there. Van Jefferson's usually productive if he's healthy as well. Talk about the lack of weapons on this Rams team. Playing in the division, they're going to score some points. I like the Van Jefferson pick. Oh, well, I appreciate that. We're going to get to you on the clock in just a second. We got four more rounds to go. I just want to give another quick shout out. We are at the Fantasy Football Expo. That's why things are a little bit wonky today. Please forgive us with the technology, with the technology, technical difficulties that we were kind of having. <laughs> yeah, Chris is a curse. I don't know for you guys who maybe you're just joining the show today or you haven't followed us for a little while and you just came back. You know Chris, but he hasn't been around for a few weeks because he's been having a lot of issues. Technology hates me. Yeah, and this is what happens when you know, Dan's in studio and I can actually get him set up kind of right. So for the most part, we're doing okay. But uh, so you're up still. Uh, and we'll get those draft picks going. But yeah, we're going to be at the we're going to be at the expo all weekend long. Uh, make sure if you guys are around the Canton area, if you made the trip, fantastic. Come find us. I want to meet you guys. We want to help you out. We would, you know. Really, just this is all about helping you guys win. And I do want to make a little bit because I haven't talked about this a lot. The show is going to be changing a bit during the regular season. It's not going to be full-fledged fantasy football. We're going to be blending. And we've kind of been pushing for this the last couple of years, but this is the year we're really going to do it. Uh, blending betting with our fantasy football episodes. You'll see what we mean when we go, but we're not going to talk fantasy football without talking some bets that you can make, without talking some player props. So not only are we trying to win you championships, but we're trying to get you to cash some tickets as well. So that's something you kind of look forward to to the MD's Fantasy Football Show this upcoming season. And if you are able to see us in person in Canton, we'll talk to you all that more about it this weekend. Uh, so, Chris, you made your picks. You went with Romeo Dobbs and Rondale Moore. Yeah, we talked about people being forgotten. Uh, Romeo Dobbs was pretty freaking good. And I know that the Watson had the giant guy in it. 
second half and kind of went off all the touchdowns. But previous to that, before getting hurt, the guy that we were hearing so much about was Romeo Dobbs. Romeo Dobbs is a stud, a guy who can play inside, outside, and attack the ball. I heard nothing but wonderful things about camp and him and Jordan Love's connection. Romeo Dobbs is a guy that can eat week in, week out. He's going to be one of the more featured options on the Green Bay passing attack, I believe. Romeo Dobbs, to me, is a steal this league. Yeah, I can't disagree with that. He, 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 I don't think people realize how close the target share between him and Christian Watson is probably going to be this season. Yeah, if Romeo Dobbs is healthy for the whole season, I think you see a whole different story. But um, looking at other guys who's been forgotten and has some health issues, uh, Rondell Moore is good, Dan. I don't know if everybody kind of just assumes because Cliff Kingsbury used him as a gadget player for some reason. He's not Taylor Austin. Let's not get it twisted. Rondell Moore can run routes. And you talk about Marquise Brown being able to eat this year. Uh, they're going to throw the ball to somebody else, and this Arizona team is going to suck. So we know there's going to be a lot of you know opportunities to come back in the second half of games. Rondell Moore can be a PPR machine in this offense outside of Marquise Brown, who doesn't always stay healthy himself. That's a bold statement. Here's my issue with Rondell Moore. They had this guy called Greg Dortch who just won't disappear. Well, I can understand that, but I'll add one more thing. Rondell Moore had averaged the second most yards after catch last year. Um, a guy that's just kind of waiting – Google and I both agree to come out of Jack isn't a one-trick pony, isn't a gadget player. He can run routes. It's a matter now, can he be the guy who's a featured option in this offense? Rondell Moore, to me, I know Great Torch isn't going anywhere for some stupid reason, but he's not going to not take time away from Rondell Moore this year. What's up? Hey! What's up, man? How you doing? Good. Good. Shots. Explosives. Explosives. You can run. Well, we know what the idiot Jonathan Gannon thinks of him. That, there you go. That's the soundbite for you. Oh, man, that Philly coaching staff. So, so strange. I hope they use him as more than a gadget player. That's going to be the key. And, and look, in the 12th, 13th round, he just took this guy. Like, it doesn't matter. If it doesn't pan out, oh, well, you cut him and you move on to the waiver wire. You no, no, no love lost. But that's going to be the key for a round. Them. Are you willing to use him as a wide receiver? I mean, he's going to play near enough the line of scrimmage that I'm not worried about Colt McCoy being the quarterback. I'll, I'll definitely give you that one, but I just don't know if there's gonna be enough usage. The only guy I feel like I can draft and feel good about is Marquise Brown in that scenario. Well, I think, look, it depends on what you think is Arizona team's going to be, I guess, in a sense, but I look at a team that has a chance to get Kyle Murray back at some point. Kyle Murray can be more than one receiver. They've historically looked at the other options. I know Kingsbury's not there anymore, which I think is a freeing thing for Rondell Moore. It's a team that they spent second round pick on the guy. And basically, his only issue really is being injured and being out because when it comes to getting the ball in his hands and getting separation, he's consistently one of the leaders. Rondell Morris has to kind of be out in the field. And this is a guy that I encourage NBA Nation not to write off. Well, you know what? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something I don't normally do. I'm going to stick with that team. I'm actually going to take uh, Kyler Murray here in the 14th round. I don't know for sure he comes back this season, but I'm going to take the shot and I'm going to storm on my team. If Deshaun Watson does not hit in the second half of the year somehow, when Kyler Murray's on the field, he's good for fantasy football. You and me, we've talked about this in the past. We're not necessarily sold on the Kyler Murray of it all as far as him being a good NFL quarterback, but he's good for fantasy football when he's out there. And I, if he does come back, I don't think he'll be on the field like as questionable. You know what I mean? Like if he comes back, he's going to be because he's healthy and confident he, he's in his legs. Well, it's a whole season, but for everything I'm hearing now, it's you know he's pushing to get back in there as soon as possible. So Kyler Murray's actually recovering quite quickly, and I think that's what we're looking hopeful for in return. And Dan, we talked about this earlier in the show, looking for guys who can help win you the league or not allow somebody else to win you the league. Late in the season last year, we talked about this in the ride out here how terrible the quarterbacks we had to sit there and witness and watch play. Kyler Murray could be a guy that you have sitting on your bench or starting when everybody else is scrambling trying to figure out what they're going to do that week. Yeah, I'm all about that. You can go ahead and pick up your phone so you make your next pick. I also picked up Mike Isecki here. And uh, look, the Patriots, they're going to run their two tight end sets. Now, I don't think this is going to be Aaron Hernandez and Gronkowski. And I know that's what people like to harp on. Bill O'Brien was the coach when they did that. I get it. But again, I'm looking for a second tight end to pair up with Pat Firemuth in case 
Kenny Pickett cannot get off that snide. And Mike Gesicki was brought in to do one thing, catch passes. He wasn't brought in the block. That's for sure. The Patriot wide receivers, it's looking bad over there. I mean, Tyquan Thornton, they're like talking about like he, maybe he doesn't even make the team or even if he does, he seems like he's in the doghouse with them. They, they signed Juju Smith-Schuster. We know it's a question mark if he lasts and even if he does, he has no firepower. Devontae Parker has been aged out for forever. I still can't figure out why they extended Devontae Parker for the life of me so i think this passing game has a real shot to circle around the tight ends and with hunter henry already off the board i'll take mike isicki there and see what we can get instead of having to stream i'm going to see what i get out of these guys and, and see how this whole thing plays out because i am feeling good about my death my depth through a value quarterback ba- or value draft based approach in general. I-, I like your little pick here. I-, I like the Taysom Hill pick. Like, you know, what the hell? Why not? Because this guy, if he gets enough end zone touches, you might not know when it's coming, but if you need to throw a guy in for a bye week, he has just as much upside as anybody. Absolutely. I mean, look, I talked about this before. I love Mark Andrews. He's going to be my week- weekly starter, but he did get backed up last year. He can miss games. Taysom Hill is another guy who can win you a week or two where suddenly he's playing quarterback, playing running back, playing different tight end. Who knows what he could be doing, so why not? You look at some of the high upside options. We talk about this a lot, Dan. You start getting a leader in the draft. You're looking for guys who can win games for your win weeks for you. So we fast forward, and we're, we're in the back end, my 15th, 16th round. And I, first of all, I took the Cleveland Brown. Now, if you're in a draft, I actually should preface this. If you're in a draft and you don't have to take a defense or a kicker, and you don't plan on taking one of the elite ones, which means you don't plan on drafting a kicker or a defense in like the 11th, 12th round, because that's what's going to happen in your home leagues, then, then don't bother. Because go ahead and stream that position. I don't, I don't really care. Pick up some guys heading into camp and, and see what breaks loose coming in the week one. Maybe you hit on something with an injury or whatnot and take some upside and then, and then just stream after that. But if you have to take somebody, and we're going to play this draft like we have to take a defense, we have to take a kicker here. I really love the Cleveland Browns defense, and they're not somebody who's been talking about as a top 12 defense this season. They have the skill set. Yes, they have underperformed pretty consistently over the last few years. But now, Schwartz is the defensive coordinator. He fits what that personnel is to a T, in particular for a Miles Garrett, who could be set up to have a career year this year. I'm going to take the shot that that defense is finally going to play up the par, or if nothing else, we know they're going to get sacks, which is going to lead to turnovers, which is going to lead to fantasy points. Look, the reason the Cleveland defense has struggled isn't because they don't have a good secondary. They want the top secondaries. Isn't because they don't have a good pass rush. Miles Garrett's been a beast. What's been their problem is that they're Swiss cheese up the middle, and you can run the ball all day, every day on them. They upgraded their interior defensive line. This team is built to win in the trenches, and we know regardless of how much you love throwing the ball around and spread everybody out, it's about the trenches and winning, and Cleveland has a good defense where they can win the trenches and they have a secondary that they can shut down guys. That's a great pick on a guy that people need to remember. Cleveland in general is a team about betting. Don't be afraid to be, you know, reach your head out and look at Cleveland as an option to make some money off of. Great odds and a great team. And then with my last pick, I had to take a kicker. I did take Jake Moody. Now, if you guys followed us for the draft special, if you guys follow us for the draft special, you know I went, as a 49ers fan, I went absolutely ballistic that we spent a third-round draft pick on him. And I'm still pissed off about it, trust me. But apparently in camp, he's been making everything, and he's been making 60-yard field goals and bombing 50-yard field goals. And here's the thing about San Fran. They're a good offense. They're going to be in scoring position quite a bit. But they have had trouble in the past on a consistent basis converting in the red zone and having to settle for field goals. That's why Robbie Gold was always such a a great field goal kicker for fantasy football purposes. So uh, I'm going to take Jake Moody and say he can pick up where Robbie Gold left off, especially from the opportunistic standpoint. And uh, I'm going to go with him as one of those kickers that right now is kind of getting drafted outside the top 12. That's why I got him at at 16th. Yeah, so I don't disagree with any of the things you're saying logically. I'm just going to go with the historical thing that Usually kickers are overdrafted, and when teams are just being... Oh, it's, it's stupid, stupid, yeah. Um, it's usually blows up in their face. I think it's the football gods in the sense that we're paying back for being stupid for taking guys so early. <laughs> so I'm just going to stay away from that situation in general, even though I do agree with you this offense can be high-octane and doesn't always finish in the red zone. <laughs> Abandon ship! <laughs> if only they could. All right, Chris, you wrapped it up with the New England Patriots and Matt Gay. So let's talk about a defense that's a studly defense and weekend and year in, year out is one of the top defenses you can have. This New England defense, or we talk about the offense this offseason, this defense is locked and loaded and is going to be good again. 
So I'm loving the Patriot defense. And I'm taking the guy at the end, the only person it seems the Colts want to pay. Jerry Mercedes willing to say it's worth being out there. Even, <laughs> the if he, even, even if the kicker died today, he's out of the league. Matt Gay will still make $5 million this year and next year. So I'm going the oh, guy who can be, can be out there and can boom the field goals on top of it playing in the dome. They always know I'm always big on having kickers that played in domes. So I'm liking Matt Gay as my last pick in this draft. Jonathan Taylor can't get a couple million dollar extension, but we will pay the kicker who's been on multiple teams come hell or high water. That's terrible. Oh, man, brutal. All right, Chris, let's recap our drafts. We'll start with yours. Now, you went, again, you had the number one pick overall. You went with Christian McCaffrey. No one can really argue with that necessarily. Uh, Tony Pollard came back with Mark Andrews and Drake London, Justin Fields, Javante Williams, Tyler Lockett, Gabe Davis, Tua Tagovailoa, Damian Harris, Elijah Mitchell, Romeo Dobbs, Rondale Moore, Taysom Hill, Patriots defense, and Matt Gay as the kicker. Uh, when I look at your team, the only thing I see is I don't necessarily see a bona fide wide receiver one. How do you feel when you look at your team? I think Drake London could be borderline receiver one, but I'm looking at the depth I have on my team. I'm looking at the talent and the receivers that I do have. I think I have guys who mix with upside that I can get the weekend week out guys who blow up here and there mixed with guys who are consistent where it's going to kind of be like having receiver ones. That's my big thing when it comes to receivers. I think there's guys that have had in good value, similar tight end position. You can find the values and know when to kind of play them. I'm looking at guys I have floors with, but also have a lot of upside. You put a Gabe Davis out there with Drake London. Drake London gets you like maybe the, the ugly, you know, six catches, 70 yards, maybe doesn't score that week. And then Gabe Davis has a, you know, a big bomb, has a big play in Buffalo. We both think he's going to be more involved than just being the big bomb guy. So I look at guys who have upside mixed with the guys who have floors. Yeah, I, th- I think for me it would be the key would be if Gabe Davis hits. If he hits, then you know, I think you're you're solid because then you have three solid receivers there, so it makes up for not having an elite, 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 yeah, elite wide receiver one. So I could see where you're going there. And then for my draft, uh, Nick Chubb, Garrett Wilson, Joe Mixon, DK Metcalf, Alexander Madison, Brandon Ayuk, Pat Fryermuth, Deshaun Watson, Rashad Penny, Sky Moore, Roshan Johnson, Van Jefferson. Mike Isicki, Kyler Murray, Cleveland Browns defense, and Jake Moody. What do you see when you look at my draft? I like it overall. I think that, you know, obviously I think we're going to be competing in the championship more than likely we had these teams because I think we're both very happy with our, our depth that we have. Um, I think that you have more receiver depth than I have with the different options that you have. But I think that overall it's going to be a battle between the two of us. And I just think maybe my team is a little more upside. A little more upside, but a little more downside is what I would say. And I think I love this team that I have right here because I feel like I don't have any weaknesses walking in. Uh, And my key is going to be Garrett Wilson. Does Garrett Wilson pop the way I expect him to? If he does, I'm perfectly set up in every position, but I don't feel like I have any weaknesses whatsoever. So I feel like not only do I have the depth and the versatility to overcome some injuries, but I'll be able to compete week in and week out with different options. So I'm big on board with this team, especially picking from the 12th uh, spot in particular those were our drafts again guys if you're near the canton area this year make sure you come check us out we'll be at booth 18 on sunday at the billy of fantasy sports booth we're going to be around all weekend long the fun festivities will never end we'll be back next week uh to- we're two week we're, we're up to a week now. Next week's going to kick that off. We're going to have the half-point PPR mock draft on Thursday and have the quarterback fantasy football ADP uh, best pitfalls and sleeper quarterbacks. That's what's going to the show is going to be. That's going to be on Wednesday night. I don't know if I have I know Thursday is going to be 930. I'm hoping to keep Wednesday at 932, but we'll get back to you as far as what time it's going to be. Make sure you give us a follow on social media to keep up at belly up MDFF show. Subscribe to the YouTube channel and stay up to date with the show on the go. When you download us on your favorite podcast app, hopefully we'll see you this weekend, but if not, we'll see you next week.